Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's the most wonderful time of the year With the kids jingle-belling and everyone telling you be of good cheer It's the most wonderful time of the year It's the half-happiest season Hello and welcome to the Christmas edition of the Generation Jaguar podcast. This is our 11th episode. We're happy to be here with you on uh, Christmas week and happy to talk about the Christmas present that Jaguar fans everywhere received this week. The Gus bus has finally lost its wheels and broken down. After 48 losses and only 14 wins, Gus Bradley is no longer the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Can't How about they, it? I can't believe they didn't let him get to 50. Yeah, yeah. We were on the road. I even had this nice little graphic in my head. I survived 14 and 50, but uh, 14 and 48 is still pretty terrible. <laughs> what do you think? Hey, uh, I thought you are kind of quiet over there. We'll uh, move it over to our uh, resident Gus Bradley apologist, Hunter Evans. By the way, he's in tears at the moment. <laughs> he, he's got a box of tissues yeah. just so that's, at the that's, ready. That's the hot pepper. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, what's there to say? I think everybody knew it was going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Even, I mean, I knew it was going to happen, and I'm fine with it. It's just, I, what I don't like about the whole situation is the, the, some of the reactions that I've seen. Is, and the, to me, is the most disheartening. The timing was a little weird. The timing yeah, was weird. Was. We'll get into that a little bit more. We've got a lot of yeah, Gus Bradley, a lot of Jaguars head coaching to get into. Uh, but again, this is the Generation Jaguar podcast. You can find Generation Jaguar online at genjag.com. We cover all the latest Jaguars news, analysis. We have a fun fan group. All of us tailgate and watch the games together. So go give us a look at genjag.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Generation Jaguar. Excuse me, on Twitter, at Generation Jag. I'm Jordan DeLugo. You can follow me at Jordan DeLugo on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 
Scott Klein, one of my esteemed co-hosts. You can find him on Twitter at Scott Klein one and the man of many underscores, Hunter Evans, can be found at Hunter underscore Evans underscore seven on Twitter. So, uh, before we get into the uh, recap of the really probably the most disheartening loss of the season for the Jaguars, um, we'll go ahead and give you a little info about our upcoming tailgate, which will be the last Gen Jag tailgate of 2016. Um, as usual, we're always at the corner of Brian and Adams at 9 a.m. Uh, from 9 a.m. till 12.30, we'll be out there getting ready to watch the Jags take on the Titans and hopefully give us another Christmas present. So, um, again, make sure to check us out, corner of Brian and Adams. And this week, everyone that shows up, Assuming you're 21, we'll be able to drink for free. Most weeks it's just members, but in the spirit of Christmas, we thought we'd let anybody come out this week and have a good time. So uh, we're really excited about that and uh, just really excited to see what could happen with a new new regime. I know it's a, there's not much you can change in a week, but you can do some different things than what we're going on here prior. So we're excited for sure. And... Um, Excited to just, you know, tailgate our asses off for the last game of the year. Yeah. It's business as usual pregame. Yeah. It's when you get in the stadium is when things get a little wonky. That's right. <laughs> and we'll get into our Jags-Texans recap. We'll take you around some news and notes from around the web. Beyond just Gus Bradley, there's been some other interesting things going on this week. We'll take you around the AFC South, give you a Jags injury report, and finally preview the Jags and Titans, who are playing this Christmas Eve at 1 o'clock at Everbank Field. Um, so let's get into it. Let's start with the start with the crap. <laughs> Texans, Jaguars. Jaguars have the lead almost the whole game. Really should have been able to walk out of Tex Texas with a W, but the problem is typical we Jaguars in, falling apart. We went into when we went into the uh, there's the two minute offense, there's the four minute offense, and we went into like the thirty minute offense. <laughs> where you just try and sit on the ball and not screw up too much and yeah. hold on to a twelve point lead. Yeah, it seems like you've been looking at that a lot over the last several weeks. Like you've heard reports about Bortles' shoulder not being 100%, and I'm sure it isn't. I don't know if that's maybe affecting some of the game planning, or I don't know if if they just have zero confidence in Bortles at this point, or what's going on, but there has not been much aggressiveness in the play calling on offense as of late. No, I mean, you, you get two turnovers on defense, you get a special team yeah. touchdown, and yep. you don't win the game. Yeah, those Florida State boys. <laughs> they, they showed up. Yeah, Jalen Ramsey and Telvin Smith. You can't knock them this year or in, the, or in the game against the Texans. You know, they've just both been lights out this year. And um, Ramsey got his first interception of his career, which that was a really good sign because that's something even going into the draft last year, people – questioned about Ramsey can he get his hands on the ball and pick it off uh he showed some pretty good hands on his interception this week <laughs> yeah it, um Will Fuller kind of helped him out a little bit yeah absolutely <laughs> letting it slip through his hands there but 
you got to make the play. Right, and he made it. Unlike the Jaguars most of the season exactly. when they get their hands on the ball defensively. It, am I the only one, though, that watched that game and at no point thought the Jaguars were going to win that game or were winning at all? That's fair. Like, if you took the score off the board and you watched that game from start to finish, did you really look at it and be like, oh, man, we're winning, or we have a chance to win? It, it was just a disaster. No, I, I think thought. that's totally fair. I mean, like Scott said, there's the two big interceptions defensively and a special teams touchdown. If those things hadn't happened, this could have been, oh, been really out. ugly in favor of the Texans. And uh, I mean, that's not what you normally have been seeing with the Jaguars. Normally, when they lose, it's because they can't get the interceptions. They can't get the big plays on special teams. Or they're you know, throwing interceptions of their own or allowing big special teams of plays of their own. But that was not the case this week. So it's really, to me, it's easily the most disheartening loss of the season. It was like a complete role reversal. Every yeah. loss we've seen all year has been, well, other than the Titans Thursday night and some of the bad games, but yeah. most of the losses you've watched and you've been there for the whole game thinking, wow, the Jags really have a chance in this game. And it was the other team that was just, don't make a mistake. Yeah. Don't make a mistake. The yeah. Jaguars are going to give it to you. And this time it was the Jaguars saying, don't make a mistake. Don't make a mistake. And the Texans tried everything they could to give it to us. Yeah. They put Tom Savage at quarterback. Who played admirably. And who went 21 Savage on us, apparently. <laughs> scoring 21 points. Um, but... It was just so disheartening to see what 12 teams have done to us yeah. not be able to happen on Sunday. Yeah, it is disheartening. And how about Tom Savage? He's going to be the starter moving forward, for at least for the rest of this year. And Tom Savage could be starting in a playoff game in a couple of weeks. Now, those teams in Texas like to pay their backups. They do. Oh, Lord. You got Tony Romo on the bench. Now you got Brock Osweiler, the seventy-five million dollar man. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, hell, oh, they signed Brock goodness. Osweiler without him even meeting the coach. So yeah, that was such a I weird mean, situation. I feel like this was gonna happen eventually. Yeah, it's just O'Brien, Bill O'Brien is a quarterback guy. How are you gonna go get a quarterback without even ever having the coach? I feel like that was a lot of. Was it Bob McNair over there? What, their... The owner? Yeah, their owner is McNair, yeah. I feel like he has his fingertips on a lot of... (laughs) Something weird happened there. But, like, I mean, look at O'Brien's past. Like, he's had Tom Brady. He did pretty well... Hackenberg in college. Hackenberg in college. And after he leaves, Hackenberg goes downhill. Right. I mean, he turned Matt Castle into, what, what did they go, 12-4 and that year? With Matt Castle at quarterback in New England, yeah. So and McDaniel's if, was there with him too for that. One. Yeah, I don't know. About, that was a little bit, that was a little <laughs> bit. foreshadowing. <laughs> but uh, I mean, he can't turn Brock Osweiler into a functioning quarterback. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, something's going on there. But it was crazy to see a quarterback that really actually looked worse than Bortles. Oh, he looked terrible. That <laughs> it was refreshing. Actually, Osweiler yeah. might have had the worst performance I've seen. In the NFL this year, yeah, at quarterback, quarterback wise, yeah, and was, we watch Blake Bortles on a weekly right. basis. That's it, saying something. That was a disaster. Every time yeah. the ball was yeah. snapped, I was like, "Jags might get a pick here <laughs> or a fumble." Like you just didn't know. Yeah. Now the Texans game impacted what I'm about to say, certainly, but uh, there's been this narrative over the past three years or so that 
man, Chad Henney's just an amazing backup quarterback. And there's no other good backup quarterbacks in the league. That is straight bull. Yeah. Dak Prescott was a backup quarterback coming into the season. Tom Savage was. Brian Hoyer. Matt Moore. All these guys just playing really good football. And I like Chad Henney. I'm not trying to diss him as a person or anything, but... Chad Henney is not one of the best backups in the NFL. For, so for everyone who has been I, told that over the last three years and who believes mm-hmm. that, it's just not the case anymore. To me, it's, it's, it's if you have a serviceable guy, because there's a lot of backups that you're just, oh, I hope our guy doesn't get hurt. Chad Henney's a serviceable guy. He can come in. I, I tend he, to disagree with you. Yes. It's not me this time. <laughs> I'm just being real. Like, every time Chad Henney has played in the last four years, he gets ball, more balls batted at the line than completions. I don't see it. I think the, what's, what's happening, though, in the NFL is that Chad Henney is like the old school backup quarterback. Like a stop plug, pretty much. If you had to, he's got to go in. Nowadays, though, you're seeing people like Matt Moore, who could really be a starter on some teams and be a serviceable starter. Yeah. But their backups, like Matt Moore at one point almost took that job from Tannehill yeah. a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, Brian Hoyer has been a starter in the league yeah. before and done a pretty good job. I mean, look what he he did a pretty good job last year in Houston. If you ask me, he should be starting in Jacksonville next year. <laughs> I mean, I know everyone hates him and is like, oh, no, not Brian Hoyer. Look at his career record. Look what he's been doing lately. He's a better quarterback than what we have on our roster right now. I mean, the starting quarterback or the backup QB position is becoming one of the, it's, it's kind of weird to say, but one of the more important positions to have on a football team. It, yeah. It's, it's a definitely a, a comfort thing to have a guy that when things did go bad, like for the Texans on Sunday, you have a guy behind that can come in and take over. And I, I don't think people understand how hard it is for a backup quarterback to do that. Because five days a week, Brock Osweiler is getting reps. Mm-hmm. Tom Savage gets, I don't know, five reps a day in team in Skelly. So you don't get much reps to get that, you know, that in sync feeling with your receivers. And to come in in a situation where you're down by a good amount of points and pull out a victory, yeah, it's, it's impressive. It really was on his end. And, uh, he found Hopkins several times, eight times, I believe, in the game, and Hopkins had some decent numbers, but they targeted Hopkins, I believe, 17 times. So Hopkins didn't even catch half his passes on Ramsey. I think it was quite a bit more than that, actually. What, more than 17 times that Hopkins I was targeted? Was, I thought it was in the 20s. I'm pretty sure it was 17. Scott, you can I'll, I'll, do I'll, a little bit I'll of research for us here, but I'm, yes. I'm pretty sure it was 17. Regardless, if it was 17 or 20, whatever... <clears throat> He got targeted a lot, and Ramsey more than held his own, and in fact, in my opinion, won that matchup. Two for two and zero. I yeah. think. Yeah. I agree. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, if you look at people around the league, have to be foolish to not look at Jalen Ramsey and say he's one of the most impressive, if not the most impressive rookie. This yeah, year. and absolutely, definitely a force to be reckoned with going in the future. Uh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Hopkins was targeted 17 times. Um, you know, the Texans, for all that, 
you know, us on this show and on all of the other shows around town, you just hear the Texans aren't very good. And uh, they really haven't been a super impressive team, but they just get it done with good pass defense, solid run defense, nothing spectacular, and being pretty balanced and uh, taking advantage of opportunities when they come to them. And now, if Savage can play anywhere close to the level he did against the Jaguars... They are going to be tough to beat for the rest of the season. I mean, that's a team that, how many years have they been waiting for a quarterback? Mm-hmm. So I don't think they've had consistency at quarterback. Yeah. Ever. It was kind of weird. Like, it's when they drafted Savage, the narrative was, you know, Savage is going to be the quarterback one day. Mm-hmm. And then they're just like, no, screw that this offseason. They're like, we don't have any faith in Savage. Let's go pay Brock Osweiler. Well, not just Brock Osweiler, they brought Hoyer. And they brought Ryan Mallard in. So yeah. they've been trying to find a replacement for this kid for a long time. Yeah. And he just sits around, sits around, and comes in and does his job. It's, I mean, it's pretty refreshing you. seeing a guy do that. Unfortunately, it was against the Jaguars, of course. Oh. But, uh, again, Jalen just had an amazing game. And you see the physicality he plays yeah. with and the athleticism that he plays with. Because on his interception, he had a really impressive return on it. Mm-hmm. He didn't score, yeah. but he made some guys miss, and he looked like one of those defenders where when they pick the ball off, you have to hold your breath because <laughs> yeah. you don't know what's about to happen. And then he showed his physicality just separating DeAndre Hopkins from the football mm-hmm. um, on a, at least one occasion. And yeah, they, they, just the Oh, and then, yeah, another time. Hopkins catches the ball about a yard short of the first down marker on third down. Yeah, getting ready to Hopkins is field. like just working his ass off trying to get that yard, and Ramsey's like, no <laughs> sick. I mean, he's a safety in a corner, or he's a corner in a safety's body. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's he's just 6'1. The, the variety of things that he can do. Yeah. He's, it's, he, the, there's a few different plays. Um, Hopkins, he catches the ball and turns upfield to try and get a first down and gets met like a like a truck full yeah. of bricks. Just and it's hard for the defender in that situation. Usually when you see that happen, you see the <laughs> offensive guy at least get close to the marker, extending the ball yeah. out. Hopkins couldn't even do that. As soon as he well, as soon as he caught the ball, he gets nailed and it's an incomplete pass. Yeah. And then um, on what should have been a touchdown uh, late in the game, Hopkins caught the ball and uh, Jalen, he actually got kind of beat, but he recovered yeah. and was able to swat at his hands. That caused him to lose the ball going out of bounds, and just just being able to have that that quick twitch, just being able to recover when you don't necessarily perform perfectly, yeah. is something that very few people have. And he's he's definitely got it. And he's he's yeah, he so really can special. do everything. It's crazy. He, I, I mean, there's not one area of his game where you're like he's pretty deficient in that area. No, not at all. And I think. I mean, he's he's pretty much what Gus Bradley when he came here, which is weird to say, but he's that corner that they've been looking for. Yeah, maybe for four, four years. Yeah. yeah, he's what Seattle has in some of their corners. Where I mean, like a, an old adage in football is, we don't block corners. Like we teach our every time I've taught a receiver is we don't really block corners because corners can't tackle. Yeah. Safeties are tacklers. Corners <laughs> are cover guys. So. To see a corner being physical, making tackles, stopping a guy a yard short, it's got to be a little bit of a breath of fresh air and some kind of light at the end of the tunnel for 
Yeah. Jaguar fans. And, <laughs> if only yeah. Gus could have got his hands on Jalen about four years ago. Uh, even a year or two ago. Who knows yeah. what could have happened. Yeah, absolutely. Poor well, Gus. he's got him this year, and he went 2-11. Mm. So... Yeah, I mean, but, you know, poor guy. he could have really perhaps built a secondary around this guy that he just wasn't able to do um, with the other draft picks that they've made and free agent acquisitions. But uh, we'll move on here from the Texans recap. Um, And let's go into some news and notes. Uh, A lot of interesting things happening around the Jaguars. We'll save our Gus Bradley debate for the last section of our news and notes. First, let's get into Pro Football Weekly reporting Tom Coughlin is the favorite to land the Bills job, which uh, I, def- I definitely did not see that coming, and I think it's, it's interesting. I mean, he was coaching in New York City. Now he would yeah. be in upper New York State if he did accept the Bills job, but is that a fit, and do you think that makes any sense? <laughs> No. I mean, I'm not a big fan of <laughs> not at all. Tom Coughlin in a coaching spot, regardless. Yeah. Um, to me, he's getting old. I mean, I know he's still got he's got to have the love for the game. Um, the Giants, he'd been with them for a couple years now, won a few Super Bowls, and they were willing to let More him than off. a couple years. What, what, eight to years, me, nine years? I mean, he was there for a while. I do agree the fact that there was regression within the Giants over the past several years. Um, and I've, I personally didn't, I haven't watched all the Giants film from Tom well, Coughlin. Look at, but look at the game against us. Yeah. Early on with Blake Bortles, and we came back with down three touchdowns. Yeah. I won, won a game we should not have won. Absolutely. And that's, yeah. I think that kind of says it all there. But to Coughlin's credit, I think that there had been some serious issues going on with the Giants in the years leading up to his um, leading up to his firing or being asked to step away. Um, Eli hadn't been playing his best ball all of those years. Jason Pierre-Paul was still recovering. They hadn't gotten Olivier Vernon yet. They hadn't gotten Janoris Jenkins yet. Odell Beckham was still trying to become a pro, and he still is to this day. Um, But, you know, I think it was the perfect storm for the Giants this year in terms of everything going right. I think it was probably the perfect storm in the opposite way the last couple of years Coughlin was there. Um, I'm not saying Coughlin isn't going to be a good head coach in the future, but I definitely would agree that he wouldn't be number one on my list. How about you, Hunter? Uh, I don't think he'd be number one on my list. I mean, you got to love Coughlin. He's a Jaguar, Jaguar, legend, Jaguar coach. Yeah. I mean, That's right. But as a coach, I don't think he's what the Jaguars are going to go for, personally. I think, yes, he might become a president of football operations or something in the office, something to give a spark, maybe. And I just don't see him being that guy, especially in like a place like Buffalo. It doesn't make sense to me. I've seen what talked about him coming here. I've seen a lot of talk about bringing him in with kind of a a guy on the staff as a coach in waiting. Yeah. As in, okay, we'll, we're going to bring Tom Coughlin to yeah, clean things a up. A mentor kind of. Break this, because that's, <clears throat> we'll get into that in the Gus Bradley segment, yeah. but just to kind of set an attitude in the locker room, set a way professionals are supposed to get things done. Yeah. And then have the guy, the younger guy that they want to groom, 
and kind of work and get into the system. And that's that's what I would see as maybe potentially as a head coaching job. But we don't know Brooklyn, uh, not Brooklyn, uh, Buffalo's plans. We yeah, don't know. I mean, like we obviously we're not as well versed. Per, in the personally, I don't staff. think Buffalo's getting rid of Rex Ryan. I don't think. I don't. I think, don't think they should. I don't think they should. Mm-hmm. I don't really think they will. I think with some of the comments that have come out with Shady McCoy saying we don't want him to go. There's been a couple players. There's been a, really yeah, and major players, not just guys on the bench. Well, there's there's there was guys here that would yeah. probably do the same thing with Gus Bradley. Yes, yeah, but, but I think but they're, they're two totally different things. It's a completely Absolutely. different situation. I think I think Buffalo's going to keep Rex Ryan, so that pretty much they takes should. that out. Um, with really Tom should. Coughlin and this whole head coaching issue here is, I think people want Tom Coughlin here because it's Tom Coughlin. And we had I don't, and our only time we had true success was Tom Coughlin was with him. And I don't think people are looking at the whole picture as a franchise, as a coach, as you know, the offensive struggles, I don't think they're seeing everything. They just see mm. the name Tom Coughlin. They see 95 to, what, 2002? Yeah. Mm. And, and they're quick to forget the fact that they're the same people that, that ran Tom Coughlin out. out of exactly. town. And yeah. now he's got two shiny rings. Yeah. They're saying, exactly. hey, he's gotten that before. I, Maybe you can get some for oh, us. Oh, how people are so quick to forget yeah. some things. And, yeah. You know, I just don't see it being what happens. True. Yeah, it's, well, we got off the rails a little bit. We were just trying to talk Sorry. about the Bills. But, Sorry. You know, this is this is what happened. No, he's not going to the Bills. Tom Coughlin. Now, uh, another interesting note this week. Pro Bowl, uh, the Pro Bowl rosters were announced, and no Jaguars. What do you know? <clears throat> they gypped the leg. Now, Brad Norman. Now, I personally have... I totally get why there's no Jaguars. Small fan base. Yeah. There are not a lot of voting going. I mean, our fans are passionate, a lot of them, but there's just we don't have the numbers that yeah. other cities have. And uh, when you go 2-12, and 12, not a lot of people that aren't Jaguar fans are going to be voting for your players. And on top of that, most of the big-name guys didn't perform the way they should have. Yeah, the two got- guys you could have really said should have, well, there's a couple guys. Yeah. Jalen Ramsey deserved to make it. He didn't have the picks to get in. Uh, Unique Ngakwe, in my opinion, played close to a Pro Bowl level most of the year. I mean, you get four forced fumbles and what should be seven sacks. I mean, that's really impressive for a rookie. And then uh, Malik has played like a Pro Bowler at times in the middle. Telvin. Telvin and Puzlesny, I think, have both played close to a Pro Bowl level as well. I think Jason Myers, but... well, yeah, yeah, and then, not important. yeah, the special, special teams, teams guys. Yeah, I think, I think Jason Myers for sure. Brad Norman maybe, but yeah. I mean, J- Jason Myers has been next to, you know, perfect. He's been great, yeah, except for what one or two field goals here or there. Yeah. Um, yeah, Pro Bowl. It's it's a situation where like even if you went on the Pro Bowl, the Jaguars Twitter, and looked at the comments that fans were leaving on their vote for so and so. Nothing but negative. Like there was a couple here or there. Why don't you win games? Yeah, trying to ask for like, instead of yeah. going on Twitter, why don't you go to practice <laughs> yeah. or something? It's like that doesn't make sense. Like yeah. this person running the Twitter page has yeah. no. FYI, fun. the Jaguars Twitter manager, social media manager has nothing to do with the football <laughs> side of no. He just sits in front of his computers <laughs> and asks. In to case, in case the, one of you people listening yeah. are these Thinking commenters, Gus Bradley's sitting there like, vote for Jalen Ramsey. <laughs> yeah. That's not yeah. happening. But you know that that mixed with the fact that the Jaguars, really, if you look around the the country, have to be one of the most unrecognized slash disliked slash oh, forgotten no franchises. 
Well, how, how many how many players? I I truly don't know this answer, and I'm kind of curious. It's just more rhetorical than anything. how many players are on a Pro Bowl roster that are in the bottom five or ten teams in the league. Well, not a whole lot, and there's there's. there's we're one of six teams that did not have a representative, so it's not just the Jaguars. Yeah, um, there's no question about that. Uh, sucks for these guys, but you know, win and more it, games. Who wants to go to Orlando anyways for a Pro Bowl? <laughs> we live yeah. here. We can yeah. drive there. Like, they can go there if they want to. Focus on next year. Don't worry about some Pro Bowl. But if 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 we let's say we were on the verge of making the playoffs and we were this up and coming team that we were supposed to be at the beginning of the season. We'd probably get, be getting a lot more love. Oh, no question. A lot more publicity. Let's not forget, Freddie T got into one Pro Bowl. Pro Bowl. <laughs> Pro Bowl? Pro Bowl. Pro Bowl as a reserve. Right. Yeah, so. And let's not forget, Fred Taylor only played on uh, three playoff teams in the 2000s. True. He didn't get there until 98. Now, should he have been a Pro Bowler in 1998? Yes, he scored 17 total touchdowns and had like 1,400 yards. But, you know, and that was in 1998. I think if you're looking at 2016, a player like that doesn't go unnoticed because you've got NFL Network, it's you've got so, ESPN. you've got a lot more rare. Yeah. Back then when the running game was, was – there were more guys. Well, no, what he did that year was still Not ridiculous. saying he wasn't special. That was ridiculous. Not, but it wasn't out so far out of the norm like it would be today. Well, I mean, it actually was. Like, to score 17 touchdowns your rookie year is insane and has only been duplicated, I believe, by one other player. And it happened the same freaking season Ooh, as Fred Taylor. This is Randy Moss. I mean, it's the Jaguars are hated. They got to be a little bit hated. Like, we could go, we could be four, 12 we're, and 2 right now. We're the joke. <clears throat> really? We're, we're are. the butt of, of every joke. Yeah, the Jaguars we're the Browns. Be, they could be yeah. 12 and 2, though. And I still think you struggle to get guys in the Pro Bowl. Because uh, maybe. Look at the teams that get Pro Bowl votes, though. It's you a got The Cowboys have, what, six? Yeah, you the got, Raiders, the have, Raiders six. have six or seven. Steelers always have a bunch. Exactly. Yeah. Patriots have a lot. The, yeah. They've know, got history. We've been around 20 years. Exactly. Yeah. So people don't care about the Jaguars. We're literally in our first generation of fans. Generation Jaguar. Yeah. Jag! Exactly. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> so, let's. Get away from this nasty Pro Bowl talking. <laughs> Why did Gus Bradley fail most? <sighs> or what most led to his 14 and 48 how, record? How long do we have? We I, have I exactly, <laughs> exactly 30 minutes and 50 seconds. Go. Um, <laughs> to me, the there's a whole, there's a laundry list of stuff you could say. But for me, I was reading, I saw a great article online. I'd have to look it up to see who it was. Um, these, one of my favorite lines in the article was, Gus Bradley came in and losing wasn't important, so the wins never came. Yeah. Or, or, sorry, winning wasn't important, so the wins never came. Absolutely. It was always about getting better. Yeah, every day. The, the process. As long as you put yeah. in your best effort and there was something to look back on and say, yeah, we did that good, that was enough. Yeah. It's so interesting to see how that a lot of coaches will say that, but then a lot of coaches are also like the bottom line is we gotta win football games right now. You look, not a lot of not a lot of granted, not a lot of people come into the roster that he had. So for the first year or two Well, there it was are things accessible. that he in tandem with GM Dave Caldwell did 
to make the roster even worse than it was when he got here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. AKA getting rid of Eugene Monroe, getting rid of Daryl Smith. There were some talented guys here that <laughs> continued to play productive football for a couple years after the Jaguars let them go. Um, and so they compounded that, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if... But it was more acceptable when you're basically, hey, we're starting from scratch. Right. When they were given you know two years. a lot of expectations. To do nothing. But when there's expectations put on you, you need to raise the bar and yeah. say, this is, this is what's acceptable. And that was never the case on the outside looking in. Yeah. How about you, Hunter? <laughs> what one thing did he fill up? <clears throat> I mean, yeah, what most led to his 14-48 and 48 record? I think one thing that can't be ignored with this whole issue is first-time owner, Shad Khan, first-time GM, Dave Caldwell, mm-hmm. first-time head coach. I know it doesn't mean that much. Let's in the take the things. blame away from Gus. I'll, I'll, no, I'm not. I'm no, I'm not. I'm really not. I'll give you that. Where it, it, it was just we we're gonna see a lot this next year to see if maybe Gus wasn't the only guy. Yeah, I it was. I think it was just a bad situation of the perfect storm where some things just didn't catch like they were supposed to. Yeah. Um, but I think Gus's biggest issue would be the fact that he was maybe too much of a player's coach. There was when a you're lot coming, of stuff said about that. When you're coming into a new team. Mm-hmm. If he would have came... Now, if you take these three guys, uh, Shad Khan, Dave Caldwell, Gus Bradley, or even just Gus Bradley, for instance, and a, and a first-year GM, take the names off. If you take those personalities and put them on a team that's not a bottom-of-the-barrel, worst talent maybe yeah. we've ever seen on a roster team, and you put them on a middle-of-the-road to good with team... With somebody with pieces that with you could chance. Team. I think yeah. this this regime has some success because... Well, then why didn't it happen this year? Because I still don't think they had that structure of... Like Scott was saying, the whole accepting the losing thing. I, if you come into a team where they have a little bit of success, the accepting losing isn't the part of it. It's, it's this whole player coach Gus's personality maybe strikes a little bit more and catches up. I don't yeah. think it was the right time. It was not the right fit for the talent we had and the everything. It was there just... Was one, it, I, I, it's hard to ignore that the fact that people love Gus Bradley as a person. Mm-hmm. They love his personality and most people that I've heard from, even when I was down you know, and have talked to multiple coaches down at the stadium, have said that he is a very, very good football coach. He's a very good football mind. It just did not work with what we had here. His personality of the players' coach get better every day. That that mentality just did not work. Yeah, I think that was his biggest downfall. I mean, I, I heard actually coming here on the way here on um, the radio, them talking about down at the stadium. He was a really good on the field coach. His game management was not bad. It was just. Okay, that's not. I, I feel as like fans, we don't see that. Yeah. But if you're on the field as a coach, and this is what you're getting paid a lot of money to do, you notice those things. I disagree about yeah. the game management as being bad or good. I think it was definitely not good, and definitely leaning more towards being bad. Yeah. There were I many mean, situations. Again, that's that you can that's point that, to. that that disagreement where it's just tough. I mean, but if we're going with his one failure, it was being too much of a player's coach. And too much yeah. of trying to 
maybe make people happy. Everybody, so the culture everybody created, happy. Really. Yeah, yeah, the culture of let's make you know a fun experience for the fans, and let's. I want everybody to be happy. Kind of culture. That's mm-hmm. not what you need sometimes, and yeah. I just don't think this team. They might have bought in. I just don't think it quite clicked to the equal success. If this was if this was the National Pillow Fighting League, <laughs> sign me up. Gus Bradley's my guy. It's, but this is a team. This is a game where you go out and you try and hurt another human it's being. It's the NFL. If if it's he a was violent, angry, gladiator he, sport. If he took that mentality somewhat to the college ranks, or again I to think, a successful NFL team, it might work. I think in college. Him recruiting would be go gangbusters. Exactly. Absolutely. I agree. He's just be a great recruiter. Yeah. I don't know. It's but to me, these guys. It's a bad situation. It's their job. They're coming here to work. They've put in the hours. They've they've been probably in the NFL for a couple years. I mean, look. It's not. They don't need a friend. They need somebody who's gonna get them on the field, push them for everything that they have. To there's a certain point where. To me, unless you have something special and you're wired in some certain way that you're gifted, to you can push yourself to your maximum ability, that's very rare to me. Yeah. And in in most human beings, it takes someone else to say, "Hey, you're here. We need you, you here. I yeah. can see you being here. You need to get in it and just get it done." And we don't know that Gus Bradley didn't do that. Uh, it certainly on the surface seems that there yeah. could have been more of that done than there was. My biggest reason that Gus Bradley failed is his inability and or unwillingness to adjust. Yeah. He came in with this idea that he's going to rebuild Seattle's defense in Jacksonville, and it was impossible. it was an impossible task to do. He did not have the talent to do it, and no other team in the NFL, in my opinion, does have the talent to do that because no other team has a free safety like Earl Thomas and has a strong safety like Cam Chancellor. Yeah. And cornerbacks, a la Richard Sherman, Brandon Browner back in the day, there's been several others that rolled through there. And it was clear that this scheme was not working. We even, did not have the talent. Even and, Pete Carroll has changed right, his defense. Right. And when you don't have the talent to run this scheme, you're going to get beat. Straight up. Um, Malik Jackson had something interesting to say that kind of, as soon as you started saying that the unwillingness or inability to change a perspective, um, to me, it kind of, he's only been here for a year. And it kind of mirrors what you're saying to me. He said, um, I don't even know. He said, the crazy part is, I don't even know if a different perspective is going to help us. Was he a little little lax on a lot of things? Yes. But if someone comes in here and is a hard ass, I don't think that's going to help us. But it's not my call. Yeah. No, yeah. I I agree with that. The the mentality. Well, Jesus. Talk about what what does that even mean? I don't know. That's that's like, like a that's, whole other can of worms. And he's talked about, oh, he, I think Gus should say yeah. he's a great players coach. Yeah. That's the kind of coach that we need. That's a whole new can of worms. And I, I think that says straight up, Gus was too relaxed. Yeah. Bottom line. And he was Now, I have a lot more to get into with this <laughs> unwillingness to change. I'm unwillingness to change, unwilling to change my opinion on this. Now, he'd never... Got rid of the auto, despite having talent that would suggest you should get rid of the auto, and despite seeing the fact that the auto 
really hasn't done a damn thing. Yeah. And this entire time he's been here, he created the position for Dakota Watson, and Dakota Watson failed at it miserably. Now, the Leo, that's another Gus Bradley position. When you run a defense like Gus Bradley has been running, you're putting most of the pressure on the Leo to get to the quarterback. Mm -hmm. Because you're basically telling that other end, just go stuff the run. Hey, hold the edge. Make sure they don't get outside. And the Jaguars haven't had the talent this whole time to have a guy that is going to be the guy in terms of getting to the pass rusher. Even if they had the talent, is is having one designated pass rusher enough in this day and age? Of the no, NFL? and I think anybody, even even Gus, would have totally admitted to that. But and I don't think they were trying to just have one, but it was basically having one true pass rusher on the field at a time, mm. having one Leo on the field at a time, um, except on third downs, which right, was a lightning package lightning package. Yeah, I just don't think that he was able to adjust to to. Things that were very obvious to other people watching uh, from the outside, those two positions, not being able to adjust the way you're teaching your corners to play uh, because they're clearly not as talented as what you had in Seattle. Uh, not being very good at adjusting to other teams' game plans throughout a game. Uh, it seems like the Jaguars were regularly outwitted by the other team's coaching staff and they regularly started slow, and that is maybe not so much his ability to adjust, but his ability to just have foresight and predict and outwit his opponent. It was never there. <laughs> For some reason... Scott's cracking up over here. I just I made myself laugh a lot. It reminds me of a, like when I had, um, when my daughter was younger, she had a little set of... Uh, it's got a square, a circle, a triangle, and you push the you push the shape through the hole. It's like I hand. She's got this thing, and all of her set, and she's got the square, and then I hand her the circle, and she's she's trying to jam it in there. Yeah. And it's it's, it's just not, not working. working. And she's looking at it, and she's looking at me, and she's like, "Well, if I keep trying, maybe it'll go through." Yeah. That's <laughs> that's, that's what exactly what it is. You're trying of. to put a square peg in a round hole, and it doesn't work. Um, it's really frustrating. To be able to see clearly things not working and things not being changed. His inability to adjust and change to what was happening, to me, was by far his biggest fault. There's, but you, and I think in his past it has been a, a, not a fault of his, but something that's actually helped him because he's so steadfast in his beliefs. But when you're steadfast in your beliefs and you don't have the talent to do it or you don't have the right players to run a certain scheme, you're going to fail. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. I mean, that's, <laughs> I feel like I don't want to feel like I'm the one defending him necessarily. I just feel like at some point, uh, like the whole thing you were talking about with the auto and the Leo and the, the elephant end and yeah. whatever they got, whatever the names that they first came out with. And... I think for a lot of people, especially if you listen to the radio and callers and all that stuff, people are so focused on those names like Leo Otto. This is what it's supposed to be. This was. Does anyone really know what those positions are? I mean, yeah, we know the basics. Like we know the Leo was supposed to be a pass rusher. 
out, outside of the names of what they're called, it's it's they care to on the outside looking in, they care more about the position than the players that they have. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, fitting I, a player I, to a position instead of a position taking to a what player. you have and making. I do play. agree with that at some point, but I think. It's Miles Jackson like, have been on the field this whole year. I completely it's agree. Scooter is playing above him. It's then crazy. Something is wrong. There's something definitely going wrong with that. And but again, it's just like I don't. It's not necessarily y'all, but like fans that I hear, even just on Sundays, like they focus and they pinpoint on. There's a lot of people that don't small know what little about. things, and it's yeah. like God, y'all are really irritating because yeah. you just don't know and. It's. I mean, we do know though for what the, the auto is and the what the casual, Leo is. For the yeah. casual fan, those are just buzzwords. It's something that exactly. they're that shut down their throats, yeah. and they're like, "We're not winning." You're telling about us about all these amazing positions. Why aren't they helping us? Well, and that's all. That's all that casual fans really. I mean, if I said understand. Sam, I mean, most people know what a Sam is, right? It's well, an auto. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's the same, I mean, pretty much. If I said Will, you'd be most surprised. people know what Will is, or if you I would s- be surprised how. Few but people again, actually know it's, that. It's just their terminology, and I think a lot of people got so hooked on it. But you're, I mean, yeah. you are right. His his inability to change sometimes, and his willingness to stick to his guns. And while it could be a good thing in some situations, was not a good situation here, and it led to fourteen and forty eight. Yeah. Now, out with the old and with the new. Obviously, Doug Marone was promoted. Do either of you give him a chance to be the head coach next year? I, do. I yeah. personally do. I think. I, I mean, yes. In my opinion, he should be a top five candidate. When he was hired, I gave him a chance. How yeah. many other coaches can you name me right now? Former NFL head coaches have never been fired from their head coaching job. This is true. Not many. There you go. I will say Doug Marone's never been fired as a head coach. He left after a nine and seven season because of a change in ownership and some unfortunate circumstances. He's got to have a shot. I will say one reason why he's would not be on my list is because he's been there for what? This is his second year now. Second year. He's been there while Gus Bradley has been there. He's been there while all this is going on. Clean house. Get new faces in because they have. There's something to that. They have the the players already see him as one thing. If he's supposed to all of a sudden be fire and brimstone, well, and this my way is the highway. I disagree with he you. Is like that. I disagree with you because ninety percent of that locker room did not deal with Doug Marone on a daily basis. No, only this is true. eight guys. Yeah, so I mean, ninety uh, percent like all the guys know Doug Marone. But yeah. they don't know how he coaches them up regularly. Is, yeah. And I just think he's the type of guy but, that you cannot overlook. If, yeah, if, he definitely he has merit, and there is definitely reason for him to be a candidate. If, if, I mean, if I'll, I'll go a little off track, but if I had to look at the whole head coaching picture, not just here, but all around the league, I, I just have a feeling that, because like, you hear a lot of talk about L.A. with John Gruden. I don't think it's necessarily going to happen. I think John Gruden loves his life. Why wouldn't you? But I think Josh McDaniels is the person for LA because they got a young quarterback with Jared Goff. Shows some, yeah, you might, and a lot of people probably do. But he's got talent, and Josh McDaniels might see an opportunity with what they have as a core with some of their Tavon Austin, Jared Goff, and um, Todd Gurley. Gurley. Great defense, exactly. So what I think that's side of that. Is what if he doesn't like Jared Goff and he's got a number well, one overall pick I, I that was picked a year You're ago? You're absolutely right. 
versus a guy no, I agree. who's the, going into his last year of his rookie contract who the ownership has said, or at least Dave Caldwell has said, there's no mandate you have to play him. Absolutely. No, I agree. And I think you have to go there and you have to love Jared Goff to yeah. go there. But, now, so, just getting back to what I was trying. I mean, sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're good, you're good. <laughs> That's why I should probably should have I wait all week to talk on this podcast but, and I have a hard time stopping. <laughs> well, I, when it goes to the head coach here, I think you have to bring in some guy who has some experience. They've got yeah. to have that foundation of a head coaching experience. Josh McDaniels has none. Um, Tom Coughlin probably is not quite the fit. Um, I think when you go and look at a guy like Doug Marone, who's had a lot of success at Syracuse, a lot of success at Syracuse, um, turned that program pretty much around. Yeah, his first two seasons were a struggle, but his last yeah, two, he, he was finished firing strong. on all cylinders. Um, yeah. And then he goes to Buffalo, and again, has some success. A good amount of success, really, in Buffalo. With E.J. Manuel, quarterback, you know, nonetheless. But I would argue that Josh McDaniels has just as much pro experience as, but not as a head coach. Not as a head coach. And he made the the fact not as a head coach when he has two years. Which well, okay, he has almost (laughs) and he made the play almost the exact amount. You're right, but that was also when he was 33 years old. Yeah, and did he really have that much success? Doug Marone is more of a he has better head coaching experience to me than. Josh McDaniels does, and I think now, yeah, his foundation has been set. Josh McDaniels is still he's been around a long time. Yeah. And having said that, I love Josh McDaniels for the job, and I'd be totally okay with that. But uh, what, let's get into who is your number one candidate, Scott? Um, I did see that the Saints were trying to trade Sean Payton. Oh God, <laughs> what, I what if the Jaguars were able to trade? For Sean Payton and Drew Brees, and just go to the playoffs next year. Sign me up. Is it really? Do you pay really, him ten million a year? What would it cost? Ten million a year. Does it matter? He, they're they're going to trade him. Yeah, I mean, I mean well, the Saints have been reports. said they're well. Yeah, reports have said that the Saints aren't even looking for that much for Payton. So I mean, I mean, it's possible, yes, but and it's far fetched. Yeah, but I mean, you might as well bring it up, right? That's cool. So Sean, I Payton, saw it's a possibility. I'm, I'm. I'm going to take what I can get. Because he, yeah. he's always a guy where, even when they were in contract talks, where, is he going to resign? I don't know. It was a couple of years back. I was like, if this guy gets away, sign Absolutely. me up. So I, if there's a pipe dream, if there's a one in a million chance, are you saying we got a chance? Because <laughs> he, I, I think he's a great offensive mind. And to be honest, you got to be able to play offense in this league. We have a good foundation on defense. And... I think he would do do pretty darn good. Yeah. How about you, Hunter? Is Marone your number one guy? I think right now Doug Marone would be my number one guy. I think very the, interesting. It, it is, but I think everybody I've talked to. I mean, I'm not against. I mean, you. everybody I like I've him. talked to loves Doug Marone. He's yeah. a and having heard him talk and sp- spoken with him um, at that the coaches clinic, he is an amazing, amazing football coach, and he I think he could do some really good things. And you were talking about cleaning house. I think him being able to keep a piece or two here of that staff. Do you think Hackett is a good at head coach? Offensive coordinator? coordinator? I think yes. Well, yeah, if Hackett is Marone's offensive coordinator, yes. I think that's great. I think with Hackett coming in and bringing his own offense actually in in an offseason under Marone's guidance, because remember, Marone played NFL lineman. He's a lineman coach, so he's going to bring that aggression and that mentality back that – 
I mean, look at what Malarkey's doing. So I think that aggression and that mentality of we're going to run the ball and we're going to run the ball a lot mm-hmm. is what he could bring. So, yeah, I'd say right now Doug Marone's probably my number one. Yeah. Well, since you guys have gone with the crazy uh, talk for me. Well, no, I mean, two guys me. I really love. Uh, I, th- I think it's hard to say who I would rank as number one, but I would definitely be happy with McDaniels. He has done really, really positive things with every quarterback that he's ever coached. I would really, really like Doug Marone. I would love Sean Payton. Uh, I would really like Mike Smith. Uh, people give him a raw end of the stick from his last two years in Atlanta, but he took Atlanta from a program that was looking like the Jaguars are looking right yeah. now to a stellar, stellar um a stellar club and that was regularly making the playoffs and winning some games in the playoffs. And so you've got to look at all these guys and all of them will, uh, I'm sure get their fair chance at head coaching. Uh, one thing I hate seeing when people are talking about the head coaching search is, Oh, we got to, got to get a guy that has head coaching experience, or you got to have a guy that is good with offenses and quarterbacks. or you got to have this hot young college coach. People try to categorize all these coaches. Every coach is different. <laughs> yeah. Just because this guy has NFL experience and this guy has NFL experience doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to be better for your team mm-hmm. than this other guy who has no head coaching experience. So that's my little rant. Stop categorizing coaches and look at each coach individually, in my opinion. Uh, I'm just sick of hearing that all over the radio. Um, now we got to quickly go over the Jaguars' injury report, which it's kind of lengthy, but every team's injury reports are lengthy at this point in the season. Um, there's definitely some, some really eye-opening uh, guys that did not participate today. You've got Aurelius Ben, who's one of the better special teams players for the Jaguars. Aaron Colvin, the third corner, he was out with an ankle today. Um, Alan Hearns is still out. I'm guessing he's probably not going to play the rest of the season. Chris Reed, like we said, he's out. He was the Jaguars' former starting left guard after Jokel and Omame both got hurt. So the team's got some injuries to deal with, but nothing more than anybody else is dealing with at this time of season. Um, Now we'll quickly, since we've gone on such a rant, Hmm. about this coaching stuff. Uh, we got to get you the Texans, who just beat the Jaguars, are 8-6. and six. They're atop the division, tied with the Titans, who the Jaguars play this week. The Titans just, Titans just took down the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City. Really incredible that they did that. Then the Colts, they're sitting at 7-7, seven and seven, one game behind both teams, and they just beat the crap out of Minnesota. And uh, now they go out to play at Oakland. So that'll be a huge test for the Colts. Jaguars way behind in the division race, obviously. Uh, Let's look at, since we're running out of time here, what's one thing that we should look at for Jaguars versus Titans? What's one aspect of the game? What are you thinking, Hunter? Anything come to mind? Oh, God. Just don't get blown out like last time. (laughs) Don't get blown out. That's fair. (laughs) Absolutely. Please give us a Christmas miracle. Yeah. That's what I got. Yeah, we need a Christmas miracle. <laughs> yeah. It lo- I mean, we're going up against a team who's really s- starting to play good football. They've been, like you said, they beat. They just beat the Chiefs. Um, they blew out They're the really Packers. starting to 
it seems, hit their stride. Marcus Mariota, outside of the Denver game, has been playing really good football. They've got yeah. two solid running backs, a Pro Bowl tight end. Um, yeah, Delaney Walker, he's something else. You would have thought with all the new additions they had this year, he might have slowed down. And He hasn't had the crazy statistical year that he had last year, but he's still sitting there with uh, six receiving touchdowns, 57 catches, 742 yards. I think his wide receiver. Wouldn't that be nice that? if uh, the Jaguars had a tight end that could do something like that? You're, now you're dreaming. <laughs> it's <laughs> not like we have this tight end that's costing the team like $8 million or $9 million. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they do. We do have yeah. one of those tight ends. <laughs> yeah. You mean Koyak? <laughs> Neil Sterling. He's the guy. Yeah. But yeah, uh, their their weapons, even besides Delaney, have been really good. Uh, Richard Matthews was an addition this year from Miami, player. and he's got 800 yards and seven touchdowns. DeMarco Murray's gotten 50 catches this year Jeez. out of the backfield. Tajay Sharp's a rookie. Who's, you mess. who's had some really impressive things. And then you get down on the depth chart. You've got Kendall Wright and Harry Douglas, who are both guys that have had really productive seasons in the past. Harry Douglas for Atlanta and Kendall Wright for the Titans. So they've got a lot of talent. And then even below that, you've got Andre Johnson and Anthony Fasano. Those are both two huge names. So they've got weapons, and the Jaguars are going to have to be ready defensively. Just tell Jalen Ramsey to watch his knees against Harry Douglas. Oh, yeah. Easy there. Yeah, I saw about that last week. Who was that against? Chris Harris? That was Aqib Tlaib in Denver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was some feisty words. But, I mean, would I be wrong to say that, again, the Jaguars have a chance to win the football game, but it just doesn't feel like they're going to? For me, I'm on the opposite. This one seems a lot harder to win than any of the ones we've played lately because the Titans are playing so well. They're playing better now than they did when they beat us. 36 to 22 and, and it should have been a lot worse yeah they're multiple on both sides of the ball they yeah. can pass the ball they can uh, play action they have such a strong running game into Marco Murray and Derrick Henry their use of Marcus Mariota is amazing spot on I mean, and no Mike Malarkey is the coach we yep. we, need, we need to remember that Mike freaking Malarkey this buffoon and you know what to the Titans year, credit he had a terrible first season with them as well, and they got a new GM that came in, and the GM kept him on. When Dave Caldwell came in, he said, nope. see you later, you Mike Malarkey. Let's bring in Gus Bradley. Let's That's going to work guy. out great. <laughs> Obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty, but that is just that is a hell of a storyline right there. Good. I just thought of this. Dave Caldwell's first picks haven't been so good. His second and later have been pretty good, so hopefully this coach... We'll be. We'll yeah. follow that. First coach, we'll follow that. Second coach. Yeah, oh, yeah, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe we can roll with that. Some positive thinking there. Um, yeah, and then their defensive front. They've got Darrell Casey. They've got Brian Arakpo. Arakpo on that team. Arakpo. I thought he was just going to be a guy. That, that's another player that the Jaguars passed up on in free agency. Yep, yep. Uh, they've passed up on so many good players and signed so many crappy players in free agency. And I shouldn't call a lot of these players we've signed crappy, but they're definitely not up to the standard that you've seen around the league with some of these other players that have been signed. And with the extreme amount of cap room that the Jaguars have had, I think it would have been prudent and a much better strategy to perhaps, instead of signing Devon House for $6 million, go try to sign Janoris Jenkins. Yep. 
Jordan calling out Dave Caldwell. Instead of signing Malik Jackson for 90-some-odd, 92, I think, signing Domakunks. Who's been better, Domakunks or Malik Jackson? It's not close. It's been one year. It's not Not close. Not close there. Uh, another guy is a Rackpo, obviously. Marco Murray, Chris Ivory? Yeah. Yeah. Not close. It's not close. Sounds like a GM thing to me. I mean, that is a whole other can of worms that we're not going to be able to get into today. But no. I think it is absolutely... Roll over the clock. We're doing two hours today. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> it's absolutely a fact that Dave has missed on a lot of decisions. Now, he's brought in more talent than we've had in a long time. There's no question. But freaking Gene Smith was your GM. Of course there's more talent yeah. than there was back then. Even Shaq Harris hit on a couple things. Yeah, I mean, Shaq did pretty terrible, but he hit on some guys too, you know? <laughs> Just hitting on a few guys isn't enough, and I think Jaguars fans don't realize that. There's Yeah, there's a few really great players on this team, but there's not a whole bunch. You need more. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I saw somebody say, what what NFL team doesn't have three or four good football players right. on it? Yeah, and everyone does. Unfortunately, that's going to wrap it up for our yeah. show today. That was a good one. Uh, make sure to come out and see us this Saturday at our tailgate at the corner of Brian and Adams for the Jaguars and the Titans. Make sure to follow Generation Jaguar at Generation Jaguar on Facebook and Instagram at Generation Jag on Twitter. And uh, make sure to check out the website, genjag.com. For Hunter Evans and Scott Klein, I'm Jordan DeLugo, and this has been the Generation Jaguar Podcast. Merry Christmas and happy holidays. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.